For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, Israel, God's Prophetic Time Clock. This is part four of the series. So now let's see how the exile, the southern kingdom, that is the house of Judah or the Jewish people, into Babylon and their judgment to be there for 70 years is linked and associated with the generation that will see Yeshua set his feet down on the Mount of Olives. So now in Matthew chapter 24 verse 3, Yeshua was asked by his disciples, what are the signs of your return? So in Matthew chapter 24 verse 3 it is written, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of your coming, and of the end of the age, or the end of the 6,000 years of this present age? So in answering the question, Yeshua went on to say in Matthew chapter 24, verse 32, Now learn a parable of the fig tree. So now Yeshua is communicating that his return at his second coming is linked to us understanding this parable of the fig tree. So he goes on to say, When his branch is yet tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. Continuing in Matthew chapter 24 verse 33, So likewise you, when you see all these things, know that it is near even at the doors. So Yeshua said, Learn a parable of the fig tree. Who's the fig tree. Well, we can see in Hosea chapter 9 verse 10 that Israel is likened to a fig tree. So in Hosea chapter 9 verse 10 it is written, I found Israel like grapes in the wilderness. I saw your fathers as the first stripe in the fig tree. So regarding this parable of the fig tree, Yeshua went on to say in Matthew chapter 24 verse 34, Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass. What generation? The generation that's associated with this parable of the fig tree. That the generation that is linked with the parable of the fig tree will not pass until Yeshua sets his feet down on the Mount of Olives. So who or what is this fig tree? I believe that it is the rebirth of the nation of Israel in the house of Judah or the southern kingdom returning to the land of Israel and establishing that nation which happened in 1948. So since Yeshua said, learn a parable of the fig tree and this generation will not pass till all these things be fulfilled, the next thing we need to understand if the birth of the modern nation of Israel is the time clock of the generation that will see him set his feet down on the Mount of Olives, how long is a generation? 
Well, if we look at Job chapter 42, verse 16, we perhaps can come to a conclusion that a biblical generation is 35 years. Because in Job chapter 42, verse 16, it is written, After this lived Job 140 years, and he saw his sons and his sons' sons even for generations. So from this verse, what would be the average length of a generation? Well, we would take the number of years that Job lived, 140, and divide it by four as he lived to see four generations. And that would give us the average time of a generation is 35 years. So based upon this calculation, given that Yeshua said this generation will not pass, until all these things be fulfilled, if we take the date of the birth of the modern nation of Israel, 1948, and add 35 years, then we should see Yeshua setting his feet down on the Mount of Olives in 1983. Did that happen? Obviously not. So if 35 years is not the correct time frame for the length of the last generation, what else could it be? Might it be 40 years? Well, we could draw this conclusion from Psalm chapter 95 verses 10 and 11 as it is written. 40 years long was I grieved with this generation and said, It is a people that do err in their heart, and they've not known my ways. Speaking of the generation that came out of Egypt that received the Torah at Mount Sinai, that spent 40 years in the wilderness before they entered into the promised land. So in Psalm chapter 95 verse 11, Unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest or go into the promised land. So now if we take the year of the rebirth of the modern nation of Israel, 1948, and add the length of time for a generation based upon Psalm chapter 95 verse 10, that is 40 years, based upon this, Yeshua should set his feet down on the Mount of Olives in 1988. But did that happen? Obviously not. So if 35 years isn't the length of time for the final generation, and 40 years is not the length of time of the final generation, how long is the last generation? Could it be between 70 and 80 years? This is based upon Psalm chapter 90 verse 10. The days of our years, or our lifetime, and our lifetime can be seen as a generation, are three score years and ten, or in other words, 70 years. And if reasoned by strength, they be four score years, or 80 years. So here in this verse, a generation, meaning a lifetime, can be defined as 70 or 80 years. So now, if we take the date of the birth of the modern state of Israel, 1948, and add 70 to 80 years, we got a window of time of 2018 to 2028. So will Yeshua set his feet down on the Mount of Olives between 2018 and 2028? Well, the answer is only time will tell. So far in this teaching, we've been trying to understand biblical time. And we saw that the seven days of creation is prophetic of 7,000 years of time that the God of Israel designated for man and the earth from Adam and Eve being in the garden to the end of the thousand-year messianic era. And when Yeshua created the heavens and the earth, he did so in six days, prophesying of the 6,000 years to the present age. And then he rested on the seventh day. And the seventh day that he rested is the Sabbath. And the Sabbath is called the day of the Lord. So the seventh 
seventh day, Sabbath of creation, when the Creator, even Yeshua HaMashiach, rested, foreshadows the prophetic Sabbath of creation, that is the thousand-year millennium, which is alternatively called the Day of the Lord. So now let's go back to Genesis chapter 1 and see how the God of Israel defined each day in creation. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 5 it is written, An evening and morning was the first day. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 8, An evening and morning was the second day. Genesis chapter 1 verse 13, An evening and morning was the third day. Genesis chapter 1 verse 19, An evening and morning was the fourth day. Genesis chapter 1 verse 23, An evening and morning was the fifth day. Genesis chapter 1 verse 31, An evening and morning was the sixth day. So that we see that a biblical day begins in the evening and ends in the morning. Therefore, the prophetic Sabbath of creation, that is the thousand year millennium called the day of the Lord by the prophets, is going to begin in the evening and end in the morning. And what do we commonly call this evening or darkness part? We call it Jacob's trouble or the great tribulation. That being the case, we want to look at some of the biblical signs that foreshadows the coming of the day of the Lord. In Joel chapter 2 verse 31 it is written, The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the great and terrible day of the Lord has come meaning the Great Tribulation. So, have we seen the moon turn into blood as a prophetic sign of the coming of the Day of the Lord in this generation? Well, from 2014 to 2015, we experienced a very unusual event. There were four blood-red moons, and they happened to appear on biblical feast days. The first blood-red moon was Passover of 2014. The second blood-red moon was the Feast of Tabernacles 2014. Then on March the 20th, 2015, we had a solar eclipse that was followed by a third blood-red moon in Passover 2015 and the fourth blood-red moon at the Feast of Tabernacles 2015. So that given that we would have four blood-red moons that would happen on biblical feast days, when was the last time that this happened? Because it seems that blood-red moons are associated with significant events regarding the nation of Israel in the final generation. Given that the birth of the modern nation of Israel was in 1948, we had the unusual occurrence of four blood-red moons happen on biblical feast days from 1949 to 1950. There was a blood-red moon on Passover 1949. It was during this time that Israel was still in process of fighting in its War of Independence, which went from 1948 into 1949. And on the Feast of Tabernacles in 1949 was the second blood-red moon in the series. Then in Passover 1950 was the third blood-red moon. And finally, the fourth blood-red moon was the Feast of Tabernacles in 1950. The next occurrence of blood red moons on biblical feast days happened from 1967 to 1968. The first occurring on Passover 1967 and later that year was what is called the Six Day War where Israel's Arab neighbors attacked it and from this war Israel recaptured the city of Jerusalem in June 1967.
1967. So later in 1967, on the Feast of Tabernacles, was the second blood red moon. Then the third blood red moon was Passover 1968, and the fourth blood red moon was the Feast of Tabernacles in 1968. So the moon turning into blood is a sign of the coming of the darkness part of the day of the Lord, commonly called the Great Tribulation. We have already seen that sign. What else is a sign of the coming of the day of the Lord? Well, it is a call for the people, the God of Israel, to return to the Torah of the lawgiver, even Yeshua HaMashiach. And this is prophesied to be a part of the Elijah message and ministry in the end of days. We can see this from Malachi chapter 4 verses 4 and 5 as it is written. Remember the Torah of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb, for all Israel with its statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming and great and dreadful day of the Lord, meaning the great tribulation. So have we witnessed a call within the body? Messiah to return to the Torah of Yeshua in these days, in this generation? The answer is yes. And what is the name that we give to this call? Well, some call it the Hebraic roots of Christianity. Others may refer to it as the Messianic movement. Nevertheless, believers in Yeshua as the Messiah, both Jew and non-Jew, are endeavoring to express their faith in him by following his Torah. So now let's go back to the parable of the fig tree, where Yeshua told us in Matthew chapter 24, verse 32, learn a parable of the fig tree. Where in the Bible can we find a reference to a parable about a fig tree, or perhaps a parable regarding what a fig tree produces, and that is figs? Well, the answer is Jeremiah chapter 24. Because in Jeremiah chapter 24, we have a parable of good and bad figs, and it's related and associated to the captivity of the southern kingdom or the house of Judah, or the Jewish people, into Babylon. So now let's begin to look at this parable of good and bad figs figs as given in Jeremiah chapter 24. In Jeremiah chapter 24 verse 1 it is written, The Lord showed me and behold two baskets of figs were set before the temple of the Lord after Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon had carried away captive Jeconiah the son of Jehoiakim king of Judah. So in the literal context the setting of this parable of good and bad figs is associated with the Babylonian captivity of the southern kingdom or the house of Judah. Continuing with the parable in Jeremiah chapter 24 verse 2, one basket had very good figs, even like the figs that are first ripe, and the other basket had very naughty or very bad figs, which could not even be eaten, they were so bad. Continuing in Jeremiah chapter 24 verse 3, Then said the Lord unto me, What do you see, Jeremiah? And I said, Figs. The good figs are very good, and the evil, very evil, that they cannot even be eaten, they are so evil. So, we're going to see that the good figs is going to be associated with the end of the exile. In Jeremiah chapter 24 verses 4 and 5 it is written, Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Like these good figs, so will I acknowledge them that are carried away captive of Judah, whom I have sent out of this place into the land of the Chaldeans for their good. Continuing on in Jeremiah chapter 24 verse 6, For I will set my eyes upon them for good, and I will bring them again to this land. And pay attention to this phrase, I I will build them and not pull them down. I will plant them and not pluck them up. 
So we see a similar phraseology of this in Amos in chapter 9. So in Amos chapter 9 verses 14 and 15 it is written, And I will bring again the captivity of my people Israel, and I will plant them upon their land, and they will no more be pulled up or plucked up out of their land which I have given them, says the Lord your God. So when the God of Israel is saying he's going to bring his people back to the land, and they're no longer going to be pulled up or plucked up from their land, it means when he brings them back, they are never going to go into exile again. So in other words it's speaking of the end of the exile of his people so the good figs represent the end of the exile next we're going to see that the bad figs are going to represent judgment and specifically these judgments are a parallel of the judgments of the great tribulation in jeremiah chapter 24 verse 8 and verse 10 it is written and as the evil figs which cannot be eaten they are so evil surely thus is the lord and i will send the sword the famine and pestilence pestilence among them till they be consumed from off the land that I gave unto them and to their fathers. So the sword, the famine, and pestilence are judgments from Revelation chapter 6 that we refer to as the four horses of the apocalypse. And the judgments of these four horses of the apocalypse are going to be associated with the judgments of the great tribulation and the coming of the day of the Lord. Going back to the good figs, they are prophesied to know that Yeshua Yeshua is the Messiah. How can we see this? In Jeremiah chapter 24 verse 7 it is written, And I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord. So who's the Lord that they're going to know that prior they didn't know? It's going to be Yeshua the Messiah. And they will be my people and I will be their God. This is marriage language and it's associated with the end of the exile and Yeshua being one with his people. And they will return unto me with their whole heart. So when in the last generation is the Jewish people going to believe and receive Yeshua as the Messiah? And when are we going to see the end of the exile of his people, which would include both northern kingdom and southern kingdom, and bring them back to the land of Israel where they will never be pulled or plucked up from the land? Well, it's going to take place after 70 years. We can see this from Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 10. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, and now pay attention to this phrase, I will visit you. After 70 years, I will visit you. So what's going to be the meaning of this phrase, I will visit you? It's going to be a reference to ending the exile of his people. Because it says, I'm going to perform my good word toward you and causing you to return from exile to this place, that is the land of Israel. So now let's see how I will visit is associated with the principle of redemption and as it relates to the last generation, ending the exile of the people of the God of Israel. Well, first let's see how I will visit is associated with his people returning to the land and thus redemption from Jeremiah chapter 50 verse 24 and Joseph said to his brethren I die and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto a land which he swore to Abraham to Isaac and Jacob so when Yeshua as the angel of the Lord remember in Hebrew the word angel in Exodus chapter 3 verse 2 is malach which means a messenger so in the messenger of the Lord that would be Yeshua spoke to Moses 
Moses at the burning bush, he went on to say to him in Exodus chapter 3, verse 15 and 16, God said to Moses, Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say unto them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and Jacob, appeared unto me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen that which is done to you in Egypt. So, I have visited you is the Torah code words for redemption. We can see how I will visit prophetically speaks of redemption from Luke chapter 1. We're going to read verses 67 and 68 along with verses 71, 72, and 78 as it is written. And his father, Zechariah, that is the father of who had become what is called John the Baptist or Yochanan the Immerser, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. So this is a prophecy of the Holy Spirit. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Now notice what's linked with visiting and redeeming his people. Verse 71, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. What is that speaking of? The end of the exile of his people. Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high, that would be the Messiah, has visited us. So the Messiah is going to come and end the exile of his people. Well, there is a principle of the ultimate end of the exile of his people from all the nations of the world where they've been scattered, that it's a parallel and likened unto the historical Egyptian redemption. In Hosea chapter 2 verse 15 it is written, And I will give her her vineyards from there, in the valley of Achor, or trouble, for a door of hope. The valley of Achor. Achor in Hebrew means trouble or troubling. So the valley of trouble. The valley of trouble. The valley of trouble. What is that hinting to? What's that hinting at? It's a hint to the tribulation period. That the tribulation is going to be a door of hope. And what's the hope? That she shall sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the day when she came up out of the land of Egypt. And what did they sing when they came out of Egypt? In Exodus chapter 15, they sang the song of Moses. So what does it go on to say in Micah chapter 7 verse 15? According to the days of your coming out of the land of Egypt, will I, that's future, show unto him marvelous things. So according to the days of how you were brought out of Egypt, will I show unto him marvelous things. So remember the principle that biblical history is prophecy. So what was told to the southern kingdom or the house of Judah or the Jewish people regarding their Babylonian captivity is going to be a prophecy regarding their return in the last generation. So given that the setting in Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 10 is after 70 years, it goes on to say in Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 12 and verse 14, then shall you call upon me and you will go and pray to me and I will hear hear you and I will be found of you says the Lord. So after 70 years who's the Jewish people going to call upon and pray for that once they offer these prayers that the God of Israel says I will hear them I will be found of you. What are they praying for? They're praying for the coming of the Messiah and Yeshua says he will hear and answer those prayers because they will in Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 13 you will seek me and find me when you search for for me with all your heart. 
So that is one outcome after 70 years is the Jewish people will fervently call upon, pray for, and seek for the revealing and the coming of the Messiah. And in addition to that, what else is prophesied to happen after 70 years? From Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 14, the God of Israel is going to end the exile of his people as it says, and I will turn away your captivity and I will gather you from all the nations Well, that's going to conclude part four of the series on the subject, Israel, God's Prophetic Time Clock. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.